Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. All right, I am unmuting. It's time to go live with the Soul Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for our live recording of what will be our uh, episode one of season two. Let's take the uh, let's take down the, the mask here. And I'm going to start with just me and Brad for a second before we bring our guest in. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing good, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm excited. It is season two. The Soul Podcast is back. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited, and you know, a little new platform here uh, because of you know the the virus pushing us in this direction. Um, but it's exciting. This is a cool platform. We get to go live, man. We live. get to go live. So, uh, so this is like a sneak peek for those of you who are watching live. We're actually recording this for uh, for Friday. We're going to release our next episode of Soul Podcast, and we begin season two. And uh, we're both locked up at home, and uh, so is our guest. So we are meeting remotely. And, uh, and so we are, are experimenting with new equipment. We, we actually did a little bit of this before, but, uh, but it's good. Well, how, how you been, Brad? How you doing over there? You know, I'm, I'm staying good, man. The, the sun's been out. I've been, uh, making sure I get my exercise in getting that sunshine, you know, beating on me a little bit and, uh, and still, you know, working as a teacher, uh, we're doing everything distance learning. So that's, that's a challenge, but it's going, it's going well, we're going to get through this. So your work is definitely essential work. You count as one of the essentials you are as a teacher, but you don't actually get to go show up at the usual office at, uh, at your high school. Uh, so Teach them zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom is the name of the game for education recently. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so you get to be part of that. Uh, well, we're, we're going to talk with, uh, with our, our guest today. So I'm going to introduce him momentarily, uh, but we're actually going to talk about uh, some stuff going on. We're, we're talking to, uh, uh, to a doctor uh, to get some medical advice. So we'll be talking about where the, the place where, where faith meets uh, medicine for today and we're recording two episodes so if you're watching a live show you get to tune in for two episodes you want to stick around with us for both of them for episode one where faith meets medicine episode two where uh where faith meets pandemic as we will be talking about COVID 19 and coronavirus and all that goes with that and uh, uh so i'm i'm looking forward to that um but uh so, so let's go for it you ready to welcome our guest there is dr dung trin also better known as Iggy, my good buddy. Iggy, how are you? Hey, I'm good. You are also on my uh, Facebook Live as well. Oh, so hello, Facebook Live. Two places. Hello, so Facebook. two Facebook Lives at once. It's Dr. kind of Trin's funny. Dr. Facebook Live. Okay, Dr. Trin or Iggy, which one do you want me to call you? I've known you as Iggy for some time now. You can call me whatever, Dr. Dung Proctology. You know, anything's <laughs> fine. It's all good. It's all good. For those of you concerned yeah. that uh, that Dr. Trin might have uh, not realized that his first name might be awkward to some of you, he also has a very good sense of humor. And, yeah. Now, Iggy, you've taken uh, you've taken my son on a mission trip over to uh, to Vietnam and to uh, to Thailand, and also uh, and Brad, one of your kids went on one of uh, one of Iggy's mission trips, my, my, right? My oldest daughter, Alyssa, went to Peru, um, and then myself and my wife, Andrea, uh, went to do relief work in Houston after the hurricane with, with Iggy. Oh, fantastic. Now, we're going to be talking mission work. Uh, we're also going to be talking some COVID-19 as, uh, as Iggy still works as an ER doctor. He also served for many years as, uh, as a medical professor at University of California, Irvine, um, and uh, we're, all, we're, 
we are we're stories. We're all about stories. So we're going to get some <laughs> of uh, some of Iggy's story, which actually, uh, as much as I want to really want to get to talking COVID-19, uh, Iggy's story will is uh, might be my favorite part of what's ahead in our conversation as it goes all the way back to uh, to five years old in Vietnam, the last yeah. day of the Vietnam War. Um, so we'll get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. Um, now, did I miss any of the, the things that, that you do? We uh, medical missionary, tongue out missions. Uh, you uh, worked for several years as a uh, medical professor at UCI. You're still working as ER doctor. Um, uh, but what did I miss something? I, uh, I have nose rings to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He really does. I have a nose ring to sell you. <laughs> Body jewelry. And, and a, yeah, belly rings too. I got belly rings. I got just for your belly. That's rings. good. Okay. I'm hoping to have at some point a serious conversation. Oh, I, I did forget. Uh, you are on the board of Alzheimer's Orange County. Um, yeah, I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> and uh, and one of the things I appreciate most is uh, much of your focus in uh, in medicine is uh, is about preventative me medicine and and health, which is my favorite side of medicine personally. I'd, I'd rather meet you on the the healthy side than the sick side. So uh, yes. uh, and uh, and in the midst of all that, you're also a very gifted explainer, which is one of my favorite gifts. I am an explainer of the Bible, and uh, and you are an explainer of uh, of of all things medicine, medical, I would say. Uh, yeah. Did I describe that correctly? <laughs> Sounds great. So so my folks who are on my Facebook uh, group probably would want to know a little bit about your organization as well. Oh, good. Like, yeah, like, we're, we're crossing the, the streams here. So, uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah. if you are watching from, from Iggy's Facebook Live, so uh, this is the Soul Podcast. And Soul Podcast is part of Through the Word, and uh, most of our folks know us on Through the Word for our daily audio guides through the Bible. Everybody on the uh, the Through the Word app finds us uh, by listening uh, a chapter a day through the Bible with our audio guides to the Bible. But the Soul Podcast is uh, is is focused uh, on testimonies, stories of grace in the real world, and uh, and so so Iggy, that's why we invited you to be a part of this. To, to share your testimony of God's grace in your life, which is a, uh, a powerful one. And also to uh, to talk about tough issues. As we deal with stories on the Soul Podcast, those stories bring up difficult issues for us to grapple with. And uh, and we've got a significant one now as uh, as we all try to grapple as believers uh, with uh, how, do, how do we how do we make our faith mesh with uh, what we know or what we hear? Um, in the news and elsewhere medically about uh, how to stay safe from uh, from the coronavirus and how to how to deal with all of that. So uh, so you're our you're our resident expert to bring in on on that question. <laughs> Very well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's dig in on that. Uh, we're going to get to your story momentarily, but I'm going to let Brad uh, open up the uh, rules of engagement. This is season two. We're actually a little out of practice. Brad and I haven't done this yeah. for several months. We've been airing the episodes that we recorded uh, way back in October, right? Yes. And yep. uh, so, uh, so if if uh, we're we're a little rusty on this at all, I apologize. Thanks for watching live with us, guys. But uh, but Brad, give us the rules of engagement for the Soul Podcast. Yeah, and this is the first time we're doing it live. So we've always been in a studio and then post-production stuff, put them out. But here's the rules of engagement. First off, respect the story. We're going to talk about some serious issues with, with Iggy's life, with, with COVID-19 and so forth. 
story comes first. Um, so we need to focus on that there. Humility before wisdom, because good questions come before good answers. Uh, we're here to understand. We're here to grow. Uh, this, you know, COVID-19 stuff's political. We don't need to get all political, but we want to we want to try to understand the best we can. Politics plays uh, into this one. There's no way out of it. Ah, yes, you're right. But still, grace always, though, Chris. Grace, grace always. always. Uh, for every yeah. issue, for every life, there is grace, and we intend to find it here. Um, and then God has the last word. Uh, we're going to get to our throwdown. God has the last word. Uh, we seek the Lord in every story. We're going to seek the Lord in your story, Iggy, um, and in our world story currently and what we're going through. So here we go. Let's rock and roll. All right. Amen. Lord, guide us as we speak. May our, our words be with, always with grace. Yes. So, uh, so Iggy, you're, uh, you're working in, uh, in the, the ER once a week. Give me a, before I want to get to your story momentarily, but, uh, but what's going on locally here in Orange County in the ERs as far as, uh, as COVID-19 goes? Yeah. Well, I, I'm happy to report that, uh, knock on wood that, uh, what we see in Orange County in regards to, uh, COVID-19, uh, we are, I believe, uh, flattening the curve. Mm. And and that doesn't mean we have it under control. That doesn't mean we aren't making more diagnosis on a daily basis. That doesn't mean there isn't anyone in the hospital with COVID-19, because there are. But when, when I say we're flattening the curve, I'm comparing it to other areas where you have a straight shot up with infections. You remember Italy, right? Mm -hmm. They were growing by double digits uh, every day. And and you remember New York, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, just straight up um, by, by uh, leaps and bounds as far as patients uh, diagnose hospitalizations, uh, ICU admissions and all that. So, so luckily, we are not seeing that as much in Orange County as in other areas. Again, I am... Uh, knocking on wood because uh, because I can't predict the future. I don't know what it's going to look like in the next you know, few days as I am speaking today and telling you what uh, what May 5th looks like. But uh, but uh, so far, it uh, I'm uh, I'm hopeful. Let's good. say that I'm hopeful. So it's, it's good so far. <laughs> good. And every uh, every location is going to be different. We're in Orange County, California to differentiate us. Somebody case somebody thought we were in Florida. We're in Orange County, California. And uh, and cases have been uh, relatively lower than in, uh, in, uh, in other places. But uh, are the hospitals still getting prepared for uh, for more coming? The hospitals are always prepared. We we have locations in the hospital that are specifically designated for uh, for covid patients. And, and these locations in the hospital, you you can't walk through without gowning up into a hazmat type suit uh, to go through the area, and so, so luckily the the hospital system that I'm with is um, is well equipped, well prepared. Uh, we got enough masks, N95 masks. You've you've heard of the horror stories of uh, not having enough masks in uh, many locations. Um, luckily, we're we're okay, but yes, we we are prepared, um, and. And so we, uh, if the number of patients come, hopefully we'll um, we'll be ready. We we have patients, but we're not seeing the the huge spike of hospitalizations that we were uh, expecting. Uh, mm. Partially because we maybe because we were prepared. We all stay 
at home. <laughs> yeah, we actually right? got a pretty early order compared to the rest of the, the country. California, our, uh, our Governor Newsom um, set out that stay at home order was one of the first in the in the country. And uh, we also have a couple other benefits here. We have a uh, we've got a lot of population, but we are not a super dense population in comparison to uh, places right. like uh, New York City, Detroit, New Orleans. Uh, we got we got a lot of single family homes out here that are kind of spread out. So yep. there's, there's room for a lot of us to uh, to stay at home, but still head outside and walk around and not be too close to each other. Well, we're going to get to uh, talking more about uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, but I want to talk some story first. And your story uh, Iggy, is a fascinating one um, and how you not only uh, came to faith, but came to the United States and uh, and came to uh, uh, to get involved in medicine and medical missions. So we're going to back up. We're going to hit the <laughs> rewind for a moment. And uh, one of the most intriguing stories I've heard in a while uh, comes your story. How old were you um, when uh, when you left Vietnam? Take us into that story. Sure. Sure. How long you got? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so so my story um, is based on uh, what I do remember as a five year old kid uh, during and living through the Vietnam War. I, I remember uh, the Vietnam War ended uh, April 30th, which is actually just a few days ago. Right. We commemorate oh, yeah, the anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. So just a few days ago, April 30th. Uh, 1975 was when uh, the the capital of South Vietnam, Saigon, uh, fell to uh, to North Vietnam, and, and we lost the country. Hmm. So that was back in 1975, April 30th. I was five years old, and and one day prior, uh, it was uh, April 29th. I recall being at the Saigon Air- Airport. It was a, a gray day. It was a, a drizzly day, um, and and I was on the airport tarmac. I wasn't inside the airport. I was outside on, on like the runway, and uh, mm. and so my my sister Katrina was with me. My other sister Hung was with me. My brother Kung was with me. I was the oldest, by the way, uh, as a five year old kid. Uh, so I got one sister who was uh, three. The other was two, and my brother was three months old. Wow, and and mom was with us at the time, and, and grandma was with us, and and I remember the the shooting uh, around us, hearing gunfire. I remember hearing shelling and bombing, and and I knew that you know the the fighting was pretty close because you know it was just we we heard it as we were on the the tarmac, and and it was it was pretty much probably door-to-door shooting by that time because it was a day before the end the the enemy at the time was already in the city and i remember these uh these large helicopters i think they call them chinook helicopters have you heard of those yeah Yeah. they're like uh little pickled looking helicopters right so these chinook pickled helicopters they were black and and they're really large and they were, were i remember them landing in front of us and it was really windy because uh, we had no protection besides a bed sheet that we had that we we try to hover it under over our head every time a, a helicopter landed. Super windy, super loud. Uh, imagine a helicopter several hundred feet in front of you. Uh, we didn't have ear protection, obviously. It was windy. It was loud. But these large helicopters would land. Uh, and, 
and it would be probably two, three hundred feet in front of us. Uh, the helicopter lands, the back would go down, and I would see like groups of, of Vietnamese run into the helicopter, into the back of it, uh, load up the helicopter, and then it would take off. And then another one would land, uh, and another group of Vietnamese would run in uh, to the helicopter, it would take off. And then and, and then eventually there was a helicopter that landed pretty close to us. It was probably uh, 150 feet, 200 feet away from. Uh, I'm, I'm visualizing. It was like night, like yesterday, right? Wow. And it so it's loud. It was windy. It landed about 200 feet away. The back went down, and then we were told it was our turn to run. So crazy. So as a five-year-old kid, so I grabbed my sister's hand. Uh, she was three, Katrina, and I started running toward the, the helicopter. And then my mom had my uh, my other sister hung in one hand, and and my brother hung in the other hand. And then uh, so we all just ran, ran toward this big helicopter, super windy as we were running toward it. It was like trying to run against a hurricane. Uh, and and so we got up to the back of the helicopter. The back was down. And on the right side was a, 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 a U.S. military guy with a helmet on and, and a pistol. And then there was two rows of seats. And I ran in and, and uh, I sat on the left-hand side, uh, sat down, and then we buckled up. And, and when I sat down and buckled up and the family sat down and buckled up, I, I felt, and I was only five, right? I was only five, but I felt this sense of, relief hmm. that uh because i knew that this whole war experience i lived through was coming to an end i knew we were going somewhere right i didn't know where but i knew we were going somewhere as a five-year-old kid and and so i remember during my childhood um sleeping underneath my uh my grandma's uh house underneath the bed i i slept underneath the bed uh, at night, and oftentimes we would sleep underneath our beds because uh, because at night we would look outside the window and we will see flashes of light, and we knew they were fighting outside. We knew they were bombing and shooting, so we were always afraid that the roof would fall down. Mm. And so we spent a lot of nights just underneath our beds sleeping, and 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 I remember some of my aunts. Uh, you know, there wasn't enough space for everyone under the bed. So, so there are folks in our family who like set up tents and slept in tents in different ways like that. But uh, I remember that. I remember running in bomb shelters during the day uh, when we were here, like sirens. Um, I remember uh, the Viet Cong. The Viet Cong were these uh, Vietnamese guerrillas on the other side. Uh, at night, they would go out on patrol. Uh, during the day, you don't know uh who is you know who's on the south and who's on the, the north you don't know who sympathizes on whose side hmm. but at night at night uh, uh at night the Viet Cong would take up arms and and there would be the resistance right the guerrillas that would fight uh so so uh oftentimes at night we would hear them outside patrolling and so our family would, would go and we would huddle in, in a certain room at night and uh, just kind of huddle together, uh, afraid that, you know, they would come through the door and, and things of that sort. Um, I remember being interrogated 
as a as a five year old kid. Five year old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. One of my uncles was was a uh, a colonel in the uh, in the South Vietnamese uh, Navy SEALs. They called them frogmen back then. Hmm. And so, so every time uh, he would come and, and visit our family and, and hang out with us, and then he would leave, uh, then the Viet Cong would come and ask about intelligence, right? Like, where's he going? What's his plans? They were trying to get you know intelligence because they were in the war. And so, yeah, I remember being asked those questions as well, uh, sitting on my grandma's bed and, and having the Viet Cong ask me. I was, I was scared as heck, obviously. Yeah, and the only answer... I was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I had no clue, right, where he's going and what his plans are. But, but I, I remember. So those are the experiences as, as a five-year-old kid going through the war. Hmm. So that, so that by the time I got into the helicopter, I, I felt that sense of relief that I knew it was coming to an end uh, somehow. Wow. Where'd the helicopter um, take you? So, so the back of the helicopter came up. And then the helicopter lifted up, and uh, and then I saw the city of Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City now. And as I got higher, I saw the jungles, uh, the green jungles around us. And then and I went over into the ocean, um, and so I saw only water. I had no clue where we're going. Wow. So so this helicopter ended up landing on the um, on the USS Midway. Which is uh, an air aircraft carrier that is now stationed in uh, decommissioned in San Diego. I have been on it in San Diego. You have? Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you have it, you can, if you visit Southern California and go to San Diego, you can actually go out and walk around this aircraft carrier now that he's going to mention and talk about. Yeah. yeah. So I was on that aircraft carrier on deck as a five year old kid on April 29th, 1975. And, uh, and so we, uh, yeah, we're on that. So we, we disembark on the aircraft carrier. We, uh, uh, I stood on deck, uh, for what seems like hours, um, on the carrier with other refugees. Um, and I, I saw the Vietnamese pilots in their own Vietnamese helicopters escaping the war. And, hmm. and so what would happen was that these Vietnamese helicopters would land on deck of the carrier. A pilot gets off, his family gets off, and then I would watch a whole bunch of people push these helicopters overboard into the water. Oh, wow. And into the ocean. So these large helicopters were being pushed into the ocean, and I, I just stood there and watched it. It was, a, it was, it was in front of me. And and I, I guess they did that because there was no room for, for Vietnamese you know helicopters on the midway, but uh, but they allowed folks to escape, right? And so, mm. so folks, so, uh, so all day I was watching helicopters being pushed overboard into the ocean. That was quite interesting. <laughs> so um, where do they take you from there? You're on a, an aircraft carrier. Clearly this is not your, your final destination yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a five-year-old carrier. Yeah. Siblings, where do they take you? So, so from there, it was, uh, it was late afternoon. So it was late afternoon. They, they put all the refugees onto a, um, uh, onto the small amphibious landing uh, carriers, the little private Ryan uh, landing crafts. So we were in these landing crafts. So, so they stuck us all in like sardines uh, in these landing crafts. And then the landing craft uh, left the midway, the back of the midway. And so we were like hobbled up and down in the ocean. Uh, 
just, Back you know, I had no clue where we're going, no clue where we're going. And, uh, and so well, the landing craft met up with, uh, the landing craft met up with a transport ship in the middle of the ocean. And so, so I remember, uh, jumping from the landing craft to the side of the transport ship and grabbing onto these ropes and that they, they let down from the top. And so I, I jumped from the landing craft, uh, grabbed onto the rope mm-hmm. and then climbing up the ropes to the top of the ship. Um, and we had to time it because we're in the middle of the ocean and the waves were like this, right? So we mm-hmm. kind of had to time it until it was like this. And yeah. then, and then we made the jump when, yeah. when both two ships close. don't work in unison on the waves. <laughs> Yeah. And then we, uh, we made the jump and then, uh, and so, so I grabbed on to the ropes, uh, climbed up the ropes, uh, the other refugees jumped and climbed up the ropes as well of, uh, into the transport ship. I, I remember the babies, right? The, the babies were being tossed over oh. from, uh, from one side to the other. <laughs> and because, uh, yeah. And so, so there are folks on the transport ship catching babies oh. as, as babies were being tossed up. So, so yeah, that was pretty crazy. Mom's holding and, their uh, breath. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so we still in the so middle we, of the ocean. Where, where are they taking you to? And so, so we slept on deck of, uh, this transport ship. Hmm. Uh, we just slept on the hardwood floor and they had little tents kind of set up and, uh, and it seemed like uh, we were up and we we're on that ship for probably days. And uh, the best meal of the day was lunchtime when uh, each family had a, was given a, a bag of a plastic bag of uh, hot rice and tuna. <clears throat> and that was like the best meal of the day because it's the only it was like the only hot meal of the day that I remember. Mm. But uh, <clears throat> but that was cool. And then so the, the ship, the transport ship uh, dropped us off at the island of guam oh, okay island of guam so that's an american island i believe mm-hmm. yes. american territory and since i think yeah american, american war ask the history teacher over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i and then i i remember there was a uh, an air force base on there because uh, i recall watching the planes take off uh at the uh, at the base and and we slept yeah. in these little uh, half dome quantum huts. Okay. Uh, so we slept in these uh, U.S. military huts um, on Guam. We uh, we hung out there for a few months. Uh, I remember watching uh, movies on bleachers outdoors and outdoor movies and things of that sort. Um, but we weren't allowed to enter the United States unless we had a, a sponsor. And so we were stuck in Guam for some time because we didn't have sponsors. We didn't know anyone in the U.S. To, who would be willing to sponsor us. And then one day, we were told we had a sponsor. Out of nowhere? Nobody knew you? Yeah, nobody knew us. And so so the sponsor was the church. Hmm. The sponsor was the church. Now, was your family, was your family believers at this point? No, I, I grew up Buddhist. Uh, we we uh, grew up pretty much in a Buddhist family tree. My my mom currently, you know, is a Buddhist nun, and mm-hmm. and my uncle's a Buddhist monk in Vietnam. And so our family tree is uh, fairly, you know, a traditionally Buddhist, just like most Vietnamese. Um, so I when I grew 
up, I went to school. I think it was either a kindergarten or pre-K or whatever it was back then for a five-year-old kid. But, but I went to school at the Buddhist pagoda. The uh, the Buddhist um, temples was where we were taught okay. as a, as kids, and so I remember chanting and 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 doing the gong, and and doing all that. So so Buddhism was what I knew. Uh, I had no clue about uh, you know faith outside of Buddhism. Uh, but my first introduction to to God was uh, being sponsored by by the church. So Iggy, the church, yeah. where was the church at that sponsored you guys? Or what, so, what did you know about them? I'm back. So I I don't know much about the name of the church. I know that the lady uh, who was our sponsor uh, lived in Seal Beach. She lived inside the uh, Seal Beach Leisure World. You know that little globe? Yep. Right? That little globe in Seal Beach? Because yeah. I remember every time we went to visit her, we went through the globe. And... And she was a member of that church, and so that church and and the Christians uh, believers were essentially our sponsors. We were we were literally rescued by by God. That's the way I viewed it. <laughs> nice. And, now, uh, but you didn't know anything about much about church growing up. So let, let's kind of fast forward your your story a little bit. You yeah. made it to America as a five year old kid, um, and sponsored by the church, but uh, but your family didn't begin going to church. Uh, so now you grow up as a, as a Vietnamese American. Uh, so, so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about, about that and how God entered yeah. the equation again. So, so because we had a sponsor, uh, we were flown from, um, from the island of Guam, uh, hopped on a plane and, and, and landed at El Toro Air Base when it was still an air base in El Toro where the marines were so we landed uh, in el toro air base uh, got off the plane uh hopped on these big long black buses that i remember uh, and and these buses took us took all the refugees down to camp pendleton and in camp pendleton they set up a bunch of tents they called it tent city tent city uh and uh just set up for Vietnamese refugees, I had the privilege of meeting the colonel that was in charge of setting up Tent City at our Tongue Out Gala. Oh, uh, wow. I don't know. Yeah, we did a, a gala uh, not too long ago. I don't know. Were you there, Brad? I don't remember. But yeah, we, we had a gala. And uh, and so we invited Colonel Tom McCohen, the, uh, who was in charge of creating Tent City within in, you know, 10 days or so, 24-7, his Marines his group of Marines built Tent City for us, and he came, and and we uh, we in the Vietnamese community in Little Saigon had an opportunity just to thank him, and to thank our veterans. It was super cool. That's incredible. So, and you know, yes, that, that gives us a little sneak peek, I think, into uh, into where we're going with the conversation. In that um, we're talking about faith in medicine, and you're a medical doctor now. But one of the challenges I think for for Christians sometimes is finding that place where where faith and medicine come together because medicine is a very practical thing. And for and in a lot of people's minds, faith is sometimes seen as a very supernatural thing uh, outside of of the natural, the place where those come together. But but your story, your your life, you know, from the beginning, your first encounter with the church was not a miracle work for you. It was a, a caring in a very practical way. And uh, and, uh, and that's a, a big part of, uh, of your life now, not only in medicine, but also in medical missions. 
is uh, right. is helping people in practical ways. And, uh, and that it's also going to be a, a good directive again our conversation about responding as believers to coronavirus and, and, and COVID-19. Faith deals in the natural uh, as well as the supernatural, but we it also helps us deal with the with the natural. So uh, that just my mindset where we're, where we're going with this, but we'll come back yeah. again where faith entered your story. Oh, definitely, definitely. You can be a person of faith without throwing away your brain. How's that? Amen to that. <laughs> you yeah, can I, be I'm a... talking with a doctor and a rocket scientist, by the way. Chris <laughs> is a rocket scientist. What's the rocket scientist? You're a doctor. I mean, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I, I, I hope you, you're you not teaching just on, on faith there, that you deal with practical stuff as well as a teacher at a public school. But the two come together. And they... the, the two come together. You, you can certainly ha have faith without throwing away your brains. I, um, you know, I, if you think about the folks that Jesus called, right? Uh, he called fishermen, he called tax collectors. But, but one of the folks, one of the person that he called was a physician, Luke. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, one of the persons that Jesus called was a physician. So, so there, there you go. That's faith in medicine. And, and he, he remained a physician. There was no throwing away of his medical books. There was no, you know, casting aside the old for for now. Now we're just going to walk around healing people supernaturally. So why bother with medicine? There wasn't that. He he remained a physician. And Jesus' ministry oftentimes starts with healing. He went mm -hmm. around and he healed. He healed physically, right? He healed the blind, the lame, right? His ministry is, was a ministry of physical healing. And then he moved on to spiritual healing, hmm. right? And if you think of healing from a holistic perspective, right? Well, our, we are not just an organ. We are not just a, you know, a heart or liver or lung. Uh, we are are a whole person and and when you talk about healing healing involves the body the mind the soul the spirit right the emotion mm -hmm. that's that's entire you know holistic healing because i think they're all kind of connected actually right the mind and the body they're all connected if if, if you're depressed your immune system goes down mm -hmm. Right. If, if, if you ate the wrong things, right, something else happens to your brain, your mind, your body's connected. I yeah. when you're sick, so, you can get so depressed. Not, when you're depressed. You can get sick. The two things go together one way or the other. Yeah. And so there is no uh, contradiction that I see between faith and uh, and medicine. As a matter of fact, when so we don't, don't throw away evidence. Right. But people are saying if, if you always have to prove something, if you always have to ask for evidence, then you don't have faith. Right. But not true. Uh, Jesus asked us to have faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. But when Thomas, right, after the resurrection, when doubting Thomas says, you know, I would believe it if I was able to, to have a little evidence of, mm -hmm. of, of putting my fingers in in his hands and his feet, right? And where the nails were, you know, it it was solidify my belief. What did Jesus do? Yeah. He actually He provided some evidence. He provided some evidence. Touch, touch. 
Yeah, the Bible is a great deal about evidence. Testimony is, is uh, when we talk about historical evidence, though, historical evidence is, is established through testimony primarily. And uh, right. and the Bible focuses a great deal of Jesus story on testimony as uh, as evidence, especially Luke. Luke, who is uh, who was a, a doctor of medicine, was also one who put together clear testimony of the story of Jesus and uh, and established that evidence so that we might believe through that. Yes, faith comes in as a, as a belief, but it's a believing in testimony and, uh, and the evidence that, that leads us to that faith. Well, how did you come to those two? Let's, uh, let's go back to that. So let's back up to your story. Those two, uh, those two things, faith and medicine are both primary drivers in your life. You lead medical missions, which bring those two things together. And you also work in, as a, as a doctor, um, in, uh, in the ER today. How did those, uh, how did those two elements come to, to be a part of your life? I, I think in um, the body of Christ, we all have different gifts, and and I guess I was given a gift of uh, of 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 science, of uh, of medicine, and and a calling to to do what I can for for healing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. As a physician, um, so so simply medicine to me is my calling it's a um, it's a calling beyond you know beyond business uh, it's a calling beyond you know making diagnosis code and, and charging and billing and things of that sort it's a uh, it's really a calling that involves uh, not just physical healing but uh, but emotional healing um, <clears throat> mental healing and spiritual healing and and that's always been where my my heart is, which is why I do medical missions work uh, with that, Amen. which is actually why I had to, which is actually why I kind of stepped down as a as the facility medical director of Memorial Care uh, two three years ago. It's because I was out of the country five six times a year while being the the medical director and of a facility in a full time practice. It's and I, I felt guilty every time I left the office because my my patients at home were waiting for me and and my partners in the office and had to cover my spot. And I was out of the office so often uh, because of medical missions, uh, which is why I kind of stepped down to to do the kind of work I did. But uh, but medicine. <clears throat> Uh, if you think about healing, I, I think it involves, again, not just physical. Mm. Uh, I think we have to integrate and look at emotional, mental, uh, spiritual. You know, I, I've prayed with my patients before, and those who are interested in prayer, I would pray for them. Um, uh, those, and, and it provides, I believe, uh, therapeutic benefits just through listening, praying, besides, you know, besides writing a prescription. <laughs> <laughs> right now how do you Which how would you, how do you respond to a, a patient who says okay you can pray for me but then if you pray for me and god is all powerful why don't we just leave it at that and you can forget the prescription you can forget the rest <laughs> of the medicine i believe that that medical science is you know god gave us brains mm-hmm. to develop medications to advance you know to be able to treat cancer uh folks now uh, i don't know if you saw the data last year uh, last year 
the death rate of cancer decreased compared to the prior year. That is due to the advances in medicine. We are given a brain mm -hmm. to and can use our talents to advance medicine, to do what we can to, you know, to protect this body that we've been blessed with, that we've been given. You know, this body's the temple, right? This yeah. body has been called the temple. Our our role is to protect our temple to keep it as healthy as it can. And so we need to use our brains to, to develop strategies, including medications uh, as needed to protect our temples. But, uh, but when I talk about holistic medicine, I'm not necessarily a prescription uh, freak or, or, uh, or someone who just wanna write a script. I, I believe really that, uh, and we can do this in a, another podcast sometimes, but I really believe that your food is your medicine. Mm. And and we ought to go toward the the route of preventive health. We need to go through the route of uh, of wellness because uh, unfortunately today, unfortunately today in our office, do you know how many minutes a patient gets with their doctor, with their primary care doctor, in a face to face encounter? A patient gets about seven minutes with their doctor. Mm. And in the seven minutes with your doctor, right? The, your doctor is busy talking about what you're here for, reviewing your lab results, writing your refills, putting in your referrals, discussing the consultant's notes. Where is the time to talk about wellness and prevention hmm. in seven minutes? It is not there, right? It is not there. Our medical system today is based on disease and illness we we're only putting out fires we don't have the capacity in our medical office to speak on wellness and prevention which is uh, actually something i'm focused on now now that i'm no longer uh in a you know nine to five medical practice every day i my focus is really on wellness and prevention and on educating our the public uh, mm -hmm. with that all right, yeah. I, I don't. I, I keep sidetracking us, uh, <laughs> but if you ask me, I'm 100 percent about when it comes to to medicine. I'm about the wellness of eating well and exercising well, and uh, and if we were going to get dangerous and go political here, my theory on uh, on public medicine, on you know socialist version of healthcare, I'd much rather the government spend the money on getting everybody to eat well and exercise than spend the money it takes to to heal them afterwards. It'd be a whole lot cheaper to the taxpayers. So uh, that, that's my, my crazy theory. Hold another podcast. 100% correct. We don't spend enough time in healthcare devoted to prevention, mm. right? We don't spend enough time in healthcare educating, you know, the Americans on wellness, mm. on nutrition, on diet. Because if we did that, right, the, the hospitals will probably be empty. <laughs> Bad for business, right? Bad for business. Yeah. And, you know, that's where the no. capitalist model, if we're going to get politically, where the capitalist model, you know, kind of falls short is that the, the, the medical system makes its money by with the, the, the expensive stuff, which happens after people are sick. But if we're going to, to try to really help people, it's about that. The greatest help comes with preventative medicine, with eating well and uh, with exercising and Getting out, get some sunshine. Okay, I, I've sidetracked us too many times, and uh, and so you, 
You know what time it is, Chris? Oh, I'm like, it's Miller time. This no, is... well, <laughs> it's throwdown time, Chris. It's theology throwdown time. It is theology throwdown time. I was hoping to get, uh, I, was, I was hoping, Iggy, I want to get your testimony in here of how you got saved, but we're going to get to that. But uh, but Brad is my time. Brad, did you bring the uh, the red card and yellow card with you? Can you what see is... these here? For... Are they showing? For... Are they showing? What does that mean? So this means to stop talking. It's pretty hard. <laughs> I was kind of waiting when you were going to bring out the red card. Out there. This one is more the, hey, speed it up a little bit because we're running short on time. Chris <laughs> knows he's normally in the studio. I've been really good because I've been so intrigued by what you've been saying. I couldn't stop. But here we go. So Brad it's is time. our timekeeper here. And uh, this is our first time where everybody actually gets to watch live. Usually Brad is sneaking where nobody can see the red card at me. Because <laughs> he happens to also be a soccer coach. So, uh, so he's got those available. Okay, Brad, I'm gonna let you introduce our theology throwdown for today. What are we talking about? So for those of you that are new, theology throwdown is basically where we look at the topic we're dealing with and we say, where is it in scripture, essentially? I mean, and we, we're throwing out some verses here. Uh, so we're, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between Chris and Iggy, and we're going we're gonna to get some verses dealing with this. But today, uh, first off, actually, let me give you some rules real quick. Basically, read your verse, and you can apply it to, to the question, but don't go too detailed, because that's when you get shut down with the red card. Red card comes out, bam. Uh, so, so don't, don't forget that that can happen. All right. So we're good on that part. Everybody good. Iggy, are you good? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, are you good? Chris doesn't, Chris can't stop. He started, he, he's a preacher. So he starts preaching. Mm -hmm. But today's I, I question is basically, <laughs> today's question is what we've been talking about though. And it's, it's where do medicine and faith meet? I mean, it's essentially what we've been talking about and what's the balance. So, so we want to get some verses here from the Bible. We've been talking about it. Let's go more into the Bible. Chris, you got one for me? Okay, so I'm going to steal one from uh, something that, that Iggy shared earlier. Colossians 4.14, one of our viewers actually asked where to find this. Colossians 4.14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. And essentially, it is how we know that Luke, the gospel writer, was himself a medical doctor. In fact, he probably was brought along the, the missionary journeys that we find him on in, uh, in the book of Acts. He was probably the resident physician because when you go on a trip, people get sick. It happens. Even if you have faith, people still get sick. And so Luke was brought along as a physician and uh, as a man of science, he was also gifted as a recorder of stories. And so he recorded the stories of Jesus. So we find Luke in uh, in his gospel reporting very. Oh, my goodness. There's the car. So Luke reports what he has faithfully gathered because that's what a physician does. They gather stories and put together evidence. And uh, so he gathered the stories about Jesus and delivered them in his gospel. All right. That was my verse. I'm done. Very, very uh, well. Uh, never mind. It was really <laughs> just really long, but I like it. So it's good information. Iggy, do you got, do you have a different one for us there? Sure. I, I, I got a verse from the physician himself, Luke. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Give it to us. So, so it's Luke 531 and, and it says, uh, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick needs one. <laughs> and, and, and to me, I, there, there's no conflict between faith, medicine, or science. Uh, when, when you're sick, you need a physician. Uh, whether you're sick or not, you can benefit from faith uh, uh, with or without illness. But, uh, but there's a role in all of this. Uh, and, and God gave us a brain to, again, advance and, and develop science as well. 
I love that. I love that. Thank you for that. And Chris, I'm coming back to you. I think you have one more. Okay, I got one more verse. First Timothy 5.23. This is Paul giving Timothy some directions uh, and how to deal with a problem he was experiencing physically. And Paul tells him, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Two things we observe here. Timothy is a man of God a faithful man of God. Paul speaks very highly of his faith and service. And yet he was a man who experienced frequent ailments and Paul does not challenge him or on his faith. Paul does not correct him as somebody, well, where's your faith? If God is for you, how come you're not healed? Paul recognized and Timothy recognized that he would, that this is a regular part of life and he prescribes for him wine. Now, Paul is not a doctor prescribing that. He's just simply saying, that, hey, it's okay. You can drink some wine, which for them would be a little bit of medicine for his, his stomach ailment. And, uh, and on that, you know, as, a, as an engineer, I was an engineer. I worked on rockets. I never once suggested that we launch our rockets on faith power. And uh, in the same way that, uh, that we dealt as, uh, and many of the guys I worked with at Boeing were also Christians, but we dealt in the natural, still bringing our faith into it. Doctors do the same thing. They, uh, they don't make a false dichotomy between the science of medicine and the faith of medicine. Those two things work hand in hand. Did I get carded that time? Am I good? No, I was, you had me drawn in, man. I couldn't. You start talking <laughs> rockets and I'm like, what? This is cool. What's going to go on? And I, this, since this is live and, and this is new to us, Iggy, I wasn't sure. Did you have one more or on, on that topic? I, I, I'm such a sinner. I don't have a second verse. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. It's good because no. we have enough stuff we're talking about right now. So Yeah, yeah I actually uh, want to get back to the story. So uh, two things I want to talk about uh, to, to finish out this episode. We're going to record a second episode here. But uh, um, but actually, let's do this. Our next episode, Iggy, I want to get your salvation story. We get to hear how you ended up in America, but it's going to be some years before you actually uh, uh, found faith. Although it was the church that brought you here, your family mm -hmm. was still practicing Buddhist. And uh, and you were not allowed to go to a, a Christian church. So let's get that story next episode. But let's let's round out this episode by now bringing uh, bringing in the covid situation. Let's talk a little bit about coronavirus and uh, and covid-19. Uh, how does our faith affect how we respond? How should we be responding to this in faith? And, and I, I'll say this. That there's a wide gamut out there in what people are doing. There are some Christians who would take the stance that if we have faith, that we should be able to just gather in church and meet face to face. And, and uh, we have faith in God to protect us. So we don't have to, to worry and take those extra measures, uh, face masks and distancing. And, uh, and you get uh, way on the other end that as, uh, as Christians, we should be even more considerate for the sake of others. And Iggy, give us some insight as a Christian, how should we be responding to the, the challenges and all the news that comes at us? How do we respond to uh, COVID-19 and protect ourselves? Yeah, as a, as a Christian, I follow the science. I follow the medicine. I follow the data. And I don't follow the politics. I don't like the politics. I don't even watch the stuff. Uh, but uh, but uh, I am from a background of clinical research, uh, Irvine Clinical Research. We do research. We collect data. And, and so, so I follow the science behind COVID, uh, coronavirus, on, uh, and and the appropriate ways to uh, to do what we need to do to protect our families. I uh, again, I'm hopeful that in Orange County we are. Uh, it seems uh, bending the curve. 
um, the the data does show that this is a virus that can can land a lot of folks in the hospital. Uh, we've seen it in New York. We've seen it in Italy um, and in other areas. The data does show that the death rate is uh, it's probably going to be pretty low when we uh, we end up looking at at the, how there are many people who may be asymptomatic without symptoms walking around infected. Uh, as well. So if, if you added the, the the asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic patients with coronavirus and, and you increase that denominator of the number of folks infected, your your death rate is going to go down. And, and so you'll, the death rate you'll now see a looks death quite rate. scary. We're, we're looking at in some places five and in Italy, you can see up to like nine percent. That's that's pretty intense. To, uh, to look it at. is intense. It is it is intense, and and the data is based on the fact of who we select to to, to test and to look at. Mm. Uh, and when you have limited test kits, you're not going to test those who are not symptomatic or mildly mildly symptomatic. When you have limited test kits, you're going to test everyone who ends up in the ER who's super sick, and so so your numbers will be skewed uh, with that. Iggy, can you when talk? we can you talk a little bit about the different tests? Because I know you've mentioned to me about the antibodies test versus the yeah. Like, how do you know if you have it, or or how do you know if you've had it? I guess is the question. So there, so there are two ways to test uh, for COVID nineteen. One is a swab that either goes up your nose or in the back of your throat. <clears throat> it's a nasal swab. We call that the PCR test. Uh, polymerase chain reaction type test. And so what it does is that the swab looks for the presence of the virus itself. It looks for the presence of the virus itself. So the swab will tell you if you are actively infected. Because if the virus is there, you're actively infected. So that's one type of test. The other type of test are the little finger pricks where we get a drop of blood. And uh, the terminology we use for that is serology. Serology is, uh, and and what, what we do is we get a drop of blood, just like a little AccuCheck for uh, blood sugar in diabetics, how they check their blood sugar. So you get a little drop of blood and you put it in this little, um, this little thing that looks like a pregnancy test kit. And it tells you if you're pregnant or not. Um, and it's a chamber. And, and what that measures in that drop of blood is the presence of antibodies. Antibodies is basically your immune system. And it looks to see if, if you have antibodies to the virus, if your immune system has already been exposed to the virus. Hmm. Now, let me break it down a little bit deeper. There are two types of antibodies that we look at in this test. One is called IgM antibody. The other one is called IgG antibody. So IgM versus IgG. The difference between them is this. IgM measures acute infection, meaning within the first month or so, the first uh, three, four weeks, IgM goes up in the first three, four weeks. And then after week four or so, IgM goes down and IgG goes up. So your IgG antibody is more of a long-term exposure, right? 
where where it tells you you've been exposed to it maybe a month, two months, three months ago, right? Mm -hmm. Long term. IgM is more the of the acute, uh, short term exposure within that month. Now, here's what you should know about serology testing. We don't know yet because this is a new virus. We don't know yet if having IgM and IgG actually makes you immune from mm -hmm. getting this infection again, right? We don't know if it means immunity where you won't catch it again because it's just a new virus. We actually don't know yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we do know is that you've been exposed to it, okay? That's the first thing you should know. Second thing you should know is that the IgM level, which is the acute, uh, you know, reacting uh, antibody to it, the IgM level does not show up until maybe day four or day five of exposure to the virus of being infected. So the first few days of infection, you may be infected without any antibodies being able to be detected. It takes a few days for your immune system to build up your IgM level. So then the test so you could have you had it earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. So 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 you could have a false negative, right? When meaning you could have a negative test and be infected if if this was the first few days of your infection, it won't catch the IgM level. Does that make, make sense? Yeah. So that's the serology test. So the serology test though does not tell you if you're actively infected today. Yeah. The only way to tell you is the swab to look for the virus. So that's the two different types of tests, serology versus uh, PCR nasal swab uh, type testing. And do you know, are their home tests going to be made available? I thought you had mentioned at some point to me or on video, I watched you or something. Yeah, I, I think the test kits, uh, I don't think it's available now, but I think the test kits are so easy to to really, it's kind of like a pregnancy test, right? Uh, it's the test kits don't are so take it as a pregnancy easy test. to. Yeah, don't take it as a pregnancy test. Don't pee on it, right? I don't want it. I don't, <laughs> don't pee on it, right? <laughs> and so, and but uh, but I think the kits are pretty easy to interpret if you follow the instructions that it could be done from home. But uh, but currently, right now, I don't think it's being done from home. It's being done at a doctor's office. Okay. Uh, and and the uh, serology test, typically you can get results in like 10, 20 minutes or so, pretty quick results uh, with that. Now, so so that, that's that's the testing story. Uh, but let's talk practicality. What should we be doing? What are that? Because there's a, there's a variety of ways to respond to all this. There's, a, of course, our face masks and social distancing and staying indoors. These are the things that uh, we've primarily been called to by both health officials and our, our government officials. Uh, but then, uh, but there, there are other things you talked about preventative medicine is, uh, and your food is your best medicine. Uh, should we be thinking in those terms? And when you think about that kind of health, I kind of feel this challenge where there's, uh, uh, being forced to stay indoors has for a lot of us reduced our daily activity and exercise that comes with walking around and, uh, that's right. So, uh, so how do we how do we balance out you know, testing is one thing, but some a lot of us don't need it. How do we balance out how much focus should we be putting on the social distancing and and should we be putting more focus on just getting healthy? Does that help with coronavirus? Yes, there is no reason you cannot walk outdoors as long as you have a mask on and you're not 
in a in the middle of a bunch of people walking around the same with the same crowd. Hmm. So I go for walks almost every day. I do you know three miles, five miles every day for exercise. You know, I was at Mile Square Park yesterday. I was at different locations. As long as you are not grouped together, right? So as long as you follow the social distancing rules, uh, there's no reason you can't exercise. Is there uh, a danger of it just carrying on the wind? If it's a windy day, there's people 20 feet away. Is there, can I pick up enough of it because I, I'm out? Should I be wearing a mask or should I take that off? They're 20 feet away. I'm good. Get the fresh air. So, so we know that this, uh, we know that it spreads through droplets. We know that it spreads through droplets, uh, through a sneeze, through a cough. Uh, uh, we have seen some data on the uh, aerosolation of the virus, where it can sometimes live in uh, aerosolized for, uh, was it two, three hours, something like that. Okay. Uh, some data I've seen. I, I think it's safe just uh, to really have a mask on. But if you're out hiking by yourself, I mean, you could wear a mask, but uh, it's but if you're out hiking by yourself uh, and there's nobody around you for a hundred feet, right? Mm. I'm not saying don't wear a mask, but you, but it doesn't have to be on 24 seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, because, because again, it's a uh, uh, droplet spread. Uh, when I'm out, usually I have a mask when I'm at Costco or shopping or, you know, getting some food, I have a mask on for sure. Uh, I've seen people drive in their cars by themselves with a mask on. And sometimes I scratch my head, like, are they protecting themselves against the car or is the car protecting themselves against the person? But uh, right? they just forget because I've done that. I've just forget. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but there's no reason you can't be out getting physical exercise as long as you respect social distancing. Does the physical exercise and does the eating well, as you're talking about shopping, like does your food choices while you're out shopping, does that actually affect you're 100% to coronavirus. 100% because those who are hospitalized, those who succumb and die from this virus are those who have an issue with forming a, a good immune response hmm. or those who have chronic medical conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, things of that sort, right? Uh, so if you, you know that, then it would be you know, a, a smart thing to simply do what you can to keep your immune system as optimal as it can be. And nutrition is a huge factor behind boosting and keeping our immune system up. up. Amen. Huge. I, I do entire lectures on it for an hour on just the immune system and nutrition and diet. So Amen. it's huge. So yeah, the, the more you can keep your nutrition up, uh, in a healthy way, uh, the the better you are, no matter what infection you get yeah. with that. Oh, hey, I see a red card coming out. Yeah, uh -oh. we, we got to wrap this episode on. Brad's calling or, it. Oh, I should say not on. Okay. And, uh, so here's, here's we're actually what we're going to do. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up this episode. Now, those of you guys who are watching live, you're actually getting a sneak peek. This uh, this episode of, uh, of Soul Podcast is not getting released for uh, a couple days out, but we're recording two episodes in a row. So uh, it's going to feel a little bit long if you're here for the uh, uh, for the live recording. You're certainly welcome. Please stick around. Hit the invite button. Bring some more people with you. But we're going to break for uh, for just a moment here, and uh, and uh, we'll leave the we'll leave the live podcast going, so you don't have to log out and log back in. But uh, but we're going to close out this episode, and uh, 
And we'll, we're going to invite you, Dr. Trin, we're going to invite you back for the next recording, which is in a few moments. And yeah. <laughs> so here's what we're, here's the things that, that we, uh, we haven't got to talk about yet. I want to dig into a little bit more. So next episode, um, Iggy, I want to hear your testimony. How, how did you come to, to Jesus? Uh, how, how did you go from, uh, from Viet, from five-year-old refugee to, uh, to, to new American citizen to, um, and in a Buddhist family, how did, how did Jesus enter that story for you? And we're also going to talk about your, your medical mission work with, with tongue out. How did God bring you to a place of, uh, of working in medicine and put, brought that together with your faith and then, uh, and then sent you back to Vietnam, uh, and many other places in the world to, to work in, uh, in medical mission, which, uh, includes with my son and with Brad's daughter and with many others who've gone with you on those trips. Um, so, uh, some great stories there. So we'll get that in, uh, in our next episode. And I also want to come back. There's some stuff here that, that we haven't quite finished talking about that I really want to get back to when, when you talk health and wellness, uh, you, you speak close to my heart. And I honestly think it's such an important issue for Christians. Somehow the Christian community, um, in many places has, uh, some kind of, uh, in many ways, uh, either leaves health and wellness out of it or leaves medicine out of it. And uh, and has sort of uh, taken an attitude that those are, you know, those are secular things. Those are Eastern things. And those are some other culture that I, where I, I'm convinced it should be core to uh, to our culture to be healthy yes. people as believers. Um, so we'll bring all that stuff back into it uh, in our next episode. You guys who are who are following along live. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for keeping it lively for us. Really appreciate your comments as we go here. So, uh, so keep hitting the hearts and the thumbs up and, uh, and again, uh, let us know any questions as we go, you get the one benefit where if you're with us live, you can, uh, you can ask questions. So feel free to do that. Post some questions there on the comments and we will, uh, try to get back to some of those in our next episode. Our, this will be season two, episode two. And, uh, and I think that does it. Brad, did I miss anything for our closeout? Nope. We just need to pause. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks guys for, for uh, being with us on this episode and uh, we'll be back with, uh, with more great stories and tough issues. as uh, we bring grace into the real world on the soul podcast. Thanks for being with us on this episode, everybody. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found. And you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You've got to hear that story.